0: Our Old Testament Testament lesson today is from Isaiah chapter six, verses one through thirteen. Should be found on page five to seven of our few Bibles at 1069 in large print. chapter 6 before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made and for all that you have given to us. We thank you for the ways that you provide what we need. We thank you for the ways that you show us who you are. We thank you for the ways that you show us the difference between your way and the way of the world. Thank you that you have not left us alone, that you have come to be near us. That that we hear your word read and claim today. That we would come to know you better. create us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Isaiah chapter 6 is actually the calling of the prophet Isaiah, and uh, it's an unusual calling. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were two seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their face, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. He said, Go and tell this people. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, For how long, Lord? And he answered, Until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant; until the houses are left deserted, And the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. Turning into our New Testament lesson, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, which we be found on page 955 our pew bibles or 1831 a large print Colossians 3 1 through 11 all right since then you have been raised with Christ set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God set your minds on things above not on earthly things for you died turning to our sermon text this morning. Matthew 6 verses 5 through 15. Jesus in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount talks about three things giving to others praying and fasting and sets all three of those up and says here's how not to do it Here's how to do it instead, and the one he spends the most time on is prayer, which is what we're going to look at right now. This is Matthew six verses five to fifteen, which will be found on page seven eighty seven in few Bibles or fifteen oh eight in large print. He says, "And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray," Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is really one of the most natural things about being alive. Prayer should certainly be one of the most natural things about being a Christian. Calling out to God, talking to God. This is what it means to have a relationship with him. And yet, we're not very good at it. Most of the time, anyway. But if it's so central to being a Christian, to have a conversation, to have a relationship with God, which is what Jesus makes possible. In fact, when Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing, we have to have that relationship and that connection. It makes sense if we wanted to get better at praying. So, we're going to do is actually spend the next six weeks starting today looking at the Lord's Prayer. A prayer that we know here. A prayer that we say here. (laughs) But a prayer that we may pass by without actually realizing what we're saying. Without understanding the depth of what it is that Jesus is teaching us and without learning what it means to really pray. Now, for those of you concerned, this may not be very practical. Oh, I've already lost the page. N.T. Wright has a book uh, called The Lord and His Prayer. Pretty excellent. He says, This prayer cries out for justice, bread, forgiveness, and deliverance. If anyone thinks those are irrelevant in today's world, let them read the newspaper and think again. This is certainly relevant to our lives today, but it's also especially relevant to our lives as Christians, what it means to relate to God. And here's the thing. We usually get this so messed up because we uh, make one error or another And one, one is just not great at all. We leave that to other people. we we'll let somebody else do all the praying. Or we misunderstand prayer and we do it the way that Jesus talks about with both the hypocrites and the pagans. So we either pray like, or either don't pray like non-believers, or we pray like hypocrites or pagans. Either Both of those are missing. Because the hypocrites are those who pray not to have a relationship with God. Not to get to know Him better. But to pray to impress other people. I want you think about this. Imagine you're out on a date with somebody. First date. There you go. You may have to think back a bit. <laughs> Put yourself in the shoes. You've got a first date. And the person you are on a date with throughout the entire evening keeps pulling out their smartphone and taking <laughs> pictures of themselves and posting them to the social media talking about how great they are at dating. They're just going to a second date? Because they're showing they're not interested in you. They're not actually there to uh, get to know you and have a relationship. It's all about themselves and how they can show off to others. And Jesus <laughs> says this is the same thing as the Hitler they're not interested in actually getting to know God. They're not interested in having an actual relationship. They just want to broadcast how religious they are. So we're trying to impress others. Others probably aren't impressed. God certainly isn't. And we've missed the whole point of prayer. The other way we tend to fall out on this is like faith. Like those who think that by praying, you just get the right formula. You just get the right way of saying it. You just address God with the right words. Then, we will force his hand and he'll have to do what we want. If you have a friend who only calls you when they want to borrow stuff, it doesn't take very long before you wonder if they're a friend or if they're just using them. Jesus says God's not fooled by this type of prayer either. And that also that type of prayer. That's going to be a miss. praying. Now, I want you to know both of those things before we get into the Lord's prayer. For the same reason that Jesus teaches the disciples about those, not this, it's not this. Before he gets to the Lord's prayer, because it would be easy to learn. Uh, it would be very easy to learn the word and think, uh uh-huh, I know these really well, I know these better than you know, some of my friends and neighbors who don't know them, that makes me more spiritual, and they should be impressed. No. The wrong way to use this prayer. Another wrong way to use this prayer is, not, not now I know the right words to pray, so when I pray this, then God has to listen to what I say and do what I say. No, there again, you miss it. So why did you suggest? Because we're so bad at it because we tend to fall in on one of these other directions. It says, no, no, this is how you pray." And the first, what we're going to do is we're just going to take one line of this prayer each week so that we don't rush past it. So we slow down and take a look at what it is that it's really saying. And the first line, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We're probably going to switch back and forth between modern translations and how we're used to saying it together. Um, our father who art in heaven hallowed be night there's a my daily bread. Forgive me my debts. Jesus is teaching us to pray this as believers. Uh, a believer. <coughs> together with other Christians. This is one of the reasons why we pray this prayer together. together. Is it inappropriate to pray it uh, in the singular? No. It apply it that way as well. But even in that first word, Jesus is teaching that individual Christians are not individuals. We're always called together to be part of something larger. We're part of a family. Which is where the next person Father. This is a hard work for a lot of people. The word Father, I get that and I've heard quite a few people say I don't like to think about His Father. I don't like to talk about God's Father. I don't like to pray about His Father. Because of the father I had growing up, and what he did. There are a lot of ways that human fathers have taken the name Father and have not lived up to it. But I want to this is an issue for you. Please let me hear uh, you know what I say. That's the way you see it. You're seeing it happens. We do not call God Father again call our earthly fathers fathers because they are to represent who God is. Every human father Father runs out to him, welcomes him, and says, You are my son. The same father who then later in the parable has the older son not coming into the party, and the father goes out to him and pleads with him, Come, join with us, be part of the family, enjoy the celebration. When Jesus describes how his father he is a loving father, a welcoming father, and that one who wants to be with us, he wants us to be with him as a part of this Father. It's described in Psalm B God being the Father for the prophets. So I want to encourage you. This word is one that's ever of tricky up. See if you can see it in reverse. The ways of God is our Father. Not Not. (coughs) our working and Father. Galatians 4 says, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born of the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to the sonship. Part of what it means to be born again is actually to be born of the family of God. He adopted and welcomed in to the family. So when we say our Father, even in those two words, we're praying together with all that the other believers. John says, yet to all who receive those who believed in his name, he gave the right to children of God. It's not natural. It's not being born from your parents. Being born from being adopted into the family of God. When we say our Father is our family believers praying to one With at the dwelling place of God. John loves in 1 John chapter 2. Okay. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love of the Father is not in them. For everything in Contrasting the things of God with things of this world. Why? Because God, because God is not a part of His creation. He is the creator. He is distinct from His creation. When I say distinct from, don't be your distant from. Heaven is a whole other spiritual realm where God can be distinct from His creation and yet very close to us at all times. And so when we pray, our Father, who are in heaven. We're not praying for the things of this world, the powers of this world. We're not praying to be items of this world that so easily will grab at our hearts, the things that our hearts so easily grab. But now we're praying to our Father who art in heaven. And he says, Hallowed be thy name. And this is the first request of the prayer. Hallowed be thy name. Let your name be honored. Let your name be glorified. Let who you are become known throughout the world. That everyone would come to praise and honor and glorify God as holy. <clears throat> this is what we saw by the way in Isaiah. The seraphim that was uh, kind of weird looking. You hear about all those wings and And what are they crying out there? Like? Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Three times. And the Bible, you get a lot of repetition of doubling of things or emphasis. This is where you get it three times. And it's because it, saying it three times means you can't get any more than that. that is, it's like the uh, some and more and than most. When you get three times, that is you know, big, bigger BS don't get bigger than this, right? And they say, holy, holy, holy. They say, God is the one who is holy, more than anything else, that he has set apart from his creation, and that he is pure, and he is perfect in every way. And it's those who see him the clearest. who he is, who he really is. So what we are actually praying, the first part of prayer, is for people to understand who God really is. Through his life true nature, and character, that they would glorify and praise Him as the one who is holy. Now this prayer Doesn't start with prayer very often. Usually, the way we begin praying is, well, address, God? Dear God, Heavenly Father," and immediately move into, "Here's what I need. Here's what I want. Let me tell you how things are going." Jesus says that's not how to begin. Now, sometimes, as you rightly point out, but sometimes. We get to this point where we, you know, after we've gone through all of our things, then we finally get back around to who God is. And we start focusing on him and say, well, I guess you are. who You are, then maybe you can do something about these things that I already mentioned. So the Lord's Prayer actually teaches us to reverse the order. The content may stay the same, but it's the order that changes. Which shouldn't surprise us if we're familiar with things like the Ten Commandments. If I were to ask you to name as many of the commandments as you could right now, don't you think about it for a bit. Usually, when you ask people to name the commandments, they're the they come up with. Don't murder. You did that one? Very good. Um, don't steal. Um, don't lie. All of these, by the way. Those are usually the first ones people say. All of those come from the second half. The one that Deals with our relationship with each other. Because that's what we tend to think of first. That's the second half of man. What God gives first as being more important than those things. They're only one mouth. They're not by like any eye. We're expected, it? These are the things that come first. In other words, our relationship with God actually takes precedence over our relationship with each other. We cannot to say that. We going to say, well, first we've got to get things straightened out relationally. i got to get family right. i got to get my uh, friendships right. i got to get my business right. i got to get the things right. Um, for example. And then maybe I can deal with God. That's the fastest. The only way I get things right vertically is first. That's what's the greatest commandment. Love your neighbors yourself, right? No. Even though he does say, do unto others as you have them do unto you, but this sums up the law and the prophecy. But you ask, actually, what is the greatest commandment? Is there something even greater than that? And that is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And by the way, easy to remember. It's part of you. So love the Lord your God. By your heart, by your soul, by your mind, by your strength. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. But it's, again, getting the vertical relationship right first. And only then moving on. It's the only thing that will kill us so it's got a time a more ravishing vision of who God is and they discover is unparalleled God. Of course, the vision that comes to us most perfectly in the person Jesus practice is the image of the invisible God. When we pray, When you find yourself waiting in all the situations our society has made for us to wait.